welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. So welcome everybody. I'm not really going to do much of an intro because like uh, everybody knows everyone at this stage. Um, what, I think it's 13 or 14 deck probably at this point um, of these half the year. 13? Yeah, I think it's 13. Uh, ending on a an unlucky number for some maybe unlucky for some yeah yeah um but uh yeah it's been a great great uh experiment so far St- looking forward to next year and uh i guess who who would like to go first in in the kind of um five to ten minute maximum synopsis of a book that stood out for them over the last while that they wanted to share i don't have a book but i have a kind of a list of the books i've read if that's okay yeah. Will it take you five minutes to read out the list? Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, ten. <laughs> no. Um, uh, before you start, John, I have yeah. a, actually a little question. Um, yeah. So my brother wouldn't be the best reader, and I try to give him a book every Christmas, and he's also a really, um, I nearly use the word strong, but he's a very much of an introverted person. So if you are calling out a book, and I was going to email um, the group and ask them for any recommendations. But if you in your list have a recommendation mm. that you think a uh, man who is a little bit introverted, not really into reading, I'm pretty sure every book that I give him every Christmas never gets read. Now, he won't get it this Christmas, but he will get it in January. Um, I'd love to know um, from your list. I, so. I always buy books for people as presents. It's my only. And people give uh, my family give out to me because it's always a book. But... What does he? What's he into, in terms of outside of? Well, yeah, that's it. You know, he's. It's more around self development than I would like to give him the book around, yeah. <laughs> um, and life and different. You know, different things that maybe he wouldn't think about as opposed to maybe his hobbies and what he thinks he should be reading. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll, have a look, I'll, I'll just go through my list and I'll see. Just before that's... John starts, has he read Quiet by Susan Cain? No, I don't think he has. No, actually. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that might be, be a good book. Perfect for him because it's all about introverts. And I, when I read it, I felt like I was reading something I wrote myself. Obviously, not as well polished as at all, but just it just you really connect to it. Um, yeah, brilliant. Good. Yeah, that's a good idea. And if he's into sport, there's a few that are overlap with sport that are like personal development and sports. So. Yeah. Um, I mentioned I'm giving the PT guy your book tomorrow, Sarah. All right. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Leadership, leadership, isn't it? And yeah, what's sport. Teach. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully he doesn't try anything on me next year. <laughs> <laughs> How about, Susan, like an audio book or a subscription to an audio book service or something like that? Yeah, that's an idea too, Ashley or Aoife, yeah. If he's not that into reading, he might, he might prefer to listen to books. books. Well, yeah, no, he does read. I'm just not sure he reads the books that I think he should read. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like you read a book and you're like, oh, wow, that's profoundly changed my life. Everyone should read that book. And you're exactly. like, here, <laughs> take this book. I think you need to read this book. <laughs> you, you'll automatically become an extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> actually the the book that probably changed my life the most was years and years ago i read um the right stuff by tom wolf if you know that one it's about the astronauts um 
Uh, and Tom Wolfe is like a great writer. You know, he, I think he wrote Bonfire of the Vanities, which was fiction. But uh, and he's one of these extra extravagant southern gentlemen who dresses in a white suit and wears a fedora and he's all that kind of stuff but he wrote this book it's almost journalistic it's about the astronauts the first american astronauts the mercury seven and they made a movie about it afterwards and i think they've made a amazon have made a series lately i haven't seen it yet but um uh it's about you know exploring the the frontier of everything danger and and engineering and science and rockets and it's about these guys who are all alpha test pilots and how they struggle with each other and with the the concept and how they de- dealt with the fame and the whole thing. So, um, no, it just got me. I I hadn't um, remembered that now for a while, but it kind of got me going on um, aviation and space and and all that kind of stuff. It did. Uh, did if if it changed me, I'd say it did change me. It's yeah, absolutely. And his first year of college was aeronautic engineering. Well, then, if he hasn't so, read the right stuff. Tom yeah. Wolf, get him that. The other one is um, uh, "Man on the Moon" by Andrew Chaikin, which is a bit of a heavy-going book. It's a, it, but it is the history of the Apollo missions uh, at forensic detail. It's fantastic, oh, okay. and uh, Thank you. that's a good follow-on from that one. So, because they could do follow-on, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's yeah. Those books. If if he's into aviation or aerospace of any time, he'd love that. Lovely, thank you, John. So um, yeah, so I I looked at my list here. Normally, I'd read a lot more books, but I'm studying this year, so I uh, I only read about twenty books. What are you studying, John? Hmm. What are you studying? I'm doing management information systems in UCC. Uh, in the BIS, in the business school, uh, around my particular topic is around uh, um, innovation in the pharmaceutical industry. So I'm only just starting. I only started there in September. Make vaccines in the future, John, will you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, the, A lot of our customers, uh, our clients would be making vaccines. You know, MSD, Bernie, and all these people, they make the vaccines. And I talked to a guy the other day from Pfizer, and he said they're all the Pfizer staff in Cork are going to get the vaccine for free and and upfront from oh. Pfizer. Oh. So <clears throat> cool. I was like, "That's fair enough. That's a good perk of the job." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, January. I don't know. Do you know Ian McEwan, the English author? He wrote uh, um, "Atonement," is probably his biggest book. You know those ones. And his new book at the time was "Machines Like Me," which is a really good, slim book, and it's all about. Uh, this dystopian, or not dystopian, I always say that, about this alternative future where um, Turing lived beyond uh, when he actually committed suicide and he uh, influenced AI to the extent that in 2019 we had working AI machines and this guy in the book, he buys a an AI per- person and it just causes so much trouble in his life. It's, it's, it's a fascinating kind of alternative universe. What's it called? Machines like me. Um, this AI just ruins his relationship and destroys his life, basically. <laughs> uh, but you, he gets to meet Alan Turing in a kind of a in imagine in a, 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 an Alan Turing who's gone off to Silicon Valley and and changed the world and come back to England and is the hero, you know, um, uh, as opposed to what happened. So that's a great. That was just that's fiction, and I I love Ian McEwan. He's very good. Um, 
And then I read The Long Goodbye by Raymond Chandler, you know, the old uh, the old private eye book. For some reason, I just it just came up on a list and um, it was my first time reading him and it was written in the, I don't know, 30s or 40s. And it's just uh, very fresh. I was surprised how fresh it was. The writing style was very good. Uh, not cheesy. I expected it to be cheesy and it wasn't. It was really good. Um, uh, and then... If you know Kevin Barry, the uh, Limerick author, he's I think he lives in Cork. Uh, City of Bohane was his book a few years ago, and he wrote this one, The Night Boat to Tangier, about two uh, old Cork criminals who were in uh, southern Spain waiting for one of their daughters to come off a boat from Tangier. And the whole story, it's like waiting for Godot. The whole story is the two guys sitting in the ferry terminal uh, waiting for the boat and telling their story about how they got there. Uh, yeah, it's um, and if you listen to that audiobook, he he does it himself and he does it with the Cork accent and the the whole thing and all the slang. It's fantastic. So I recommend Kevin Barry to anybody actually. Um, then I read Agent Running in the Field, the last John Le Carre. He only died a couple of weeks ago, or he only died last week. So it was his last book that he published. And again, for a guy in his eighties who's written hundreds of books, or you know, dozens of books, it was uh, it was very good, a very fresh. Uh, looked at, took some of his old characters that you might know from if you've read his books, uh, brought them into old age. Um, then I read uh, Bad Blood by John Carew, which is the story of the. I mentioned it here before. It's about the uh, the Terranos scandal. You know, the 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 woman that fooled everyone into thinking she had a desktop blood test machine and got millions, billions from Silicon Valley. Um, there's a HBO documentary about this, but that's the book there, Bad Blood. If you, if you like these kind of mystery or uh, these realistic things, it's... Um, it's a crazy story. I don't know how she got away with what she got away with. She, uh, we're just lucky that she was found out before COVID because she'd be top of the list of scandals. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's a true story. Then I went down the science fiction rabbit hole and I read a couple of Isaac Asimov books, reread them that I hadn't read in a while. Foundation series, if you like. Oh, yeah, that's what happened. The three big science fiction um series out there are Foundation by Isaac Asimov, Dune by Frank Herbert, and what's the other one? Oh yeah, the Culture series by Ian M. Banks, and early last year they said there was a Dune movie coming, which is coming out soon by uh, Denis Villeneuve. There was a Foundation TV series coming by Apple TV, and there was a Culture series coming from Amazon. So I went back and read Foundation. Now they've, since, I think the Foundation series has been shut down due to COVID, it was being made in Ardmore Studios. And the culture one has been shut down as well. That's been cancelled as well. So all we have left is the Dune movie. But um, I read the Foundation series, four books, which are kind of sci-fi gospel. Uh, oh, yeah, I read a book about, you know, David Letterman and Jay Leno and uh, Conan O'Brien, all these late-night chat show guys. Well, <laughs> A few years ago, there was controversy when Jay Leno and Conan were fighting for the the Tonight Show. Well, 10 years before that, Jay Leno and Letterman were fighting for the Tonight Show when Carson was retiring. And there's a book called The Late Shift. And it's, again, journalistic, but it's really good. It tells the story of how 
Carson was retiring and these two guys were the prime candidates for the seat, the biggest seat in television and uh, how they, how one of them won and one of them lost. But uh, that's a great read. It's called The Late Shift. And he wrote a second book, which I have on the shelf, about the Conan-Leno problems 10 years later. I haven't got to that yet. Um, there's the foundation. I went through all the foundation books. Uh, oh, yeah, and then I read the... Uh, the Mary Trump book about the family. Too much and never enough how my family created the world's most dangerous man. So um, sad, sad story about the, it's about the grandfather, about Trump's own father and how he treated her father. So Trump's brother was an alcoholic and he was the one of the family who tried to get away from the family, try to get out of the family business. And the grandfather kind of took advantage of his addiction and manipulated him and they were disinherited in the end and everything. It's a crazy story, but it gives a little bit of insight into Donald. He kind of comes in and out of it as a young man and it kind of gives some insight into what kind of a person he was even back then and how he was influenced by his own father. Um, that was kind of just a big hit. It was, you know, it was, she was on the news. She launched a book and uh, it was well worth to read. That wasn't the brother Some of these books. That, that died recently, John, was it? No, the the brother that died recently. This guy died in the nineties. I think oh, he okay. died, he was quite young. He was only his forties, and uh, he actually went off. He was a pilot. He he loved flying and big um, airlines and moved away from New York, and uh, he kind of started sliding back on his drinking. Lost that job. And then Trump's father, the uh, what was his name, uh, the Frederick, is it? The old, the, the father. He he uh, kind of got him back in his claws again uh, as a result. So it's a it's a sad story, but it's it's kind of intriguing. But it tells you kind of what the family is like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I finished up with another sci-fi book, Red Mars, which is a book on my list for a long time kind of very hard science fiction. It's very much about how people would, would live on Mars and it's set in kind of the, the near future and it's about the first hundred and how they get settled and how they start working on Mars and stuff. It's Again, it's not, it's not kind of sci-fi in the, in the kind of space battle sense. It's more kind of technological and realistic. And um, so then right now, I've got two books on the go, but they're related to studies. One is... Uh, Images of organization. So maybe that one for the book club next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gareth Morgan is uh, apparently he's well known in the in, in the organizational behavior uh, field. He talks about the organization as he takes the organization from different angles. So organizations as machines, organizations as organisms, organizations as cultures, and he looks at how organizations kind of develop. Um, through these different lenses so i'm kind of a third of the way into it and it's looking interesting so so that's it i hope i'm out of time (laughs) we're going to put a stop on you there at some point very soon anyway but uh Mm. yeah lots of good ones there i really like the idea or the the bad blood um documentary was it like was that a one-off or was it multiple shows no it was a one-off hbo documentary but you can you can look her on youtube and you'll find loads of stuff because she was quite famous like she managed to uh, 
kind of impress uh, the right people, right? She got in, I think her father was quite influential around uh, Stanford at the time. And she got, um, she managed to get Henry Kissinger and one of the other uh, Reagan cabinet members who were retired at the time onto the board, which got her great kudos. She had a kind of a prototype that never worked, but she kind of faked, like legitimately, you know, faked results and faked um, the tech working. Uh, her point was that she was saying, I can get these into the Walgreens and into the chemist shops and you can get your blood test done in five minutes. And she actually convinced the big, you know, chains of, of, um, <clears throat> of pharmacies to, that she could. And f- to, to, for some reason, it's like almost, you know, that Steve Jobs, what do they call his um, distortion field? You know, there's this, he was so charismatic, he could persuade people of things. Well, she managed to persuade these people to the extent that when her, when her technology still failed, they literally set up the business, they spent millions setting up the clinics in their shops, and they sent the blood to her in San Francisco. And she tested it on ordinary machines that she bought you know, from the big companies and pretended that she was using her own technology, and she wasn't. Like, she had everyone wrapped around her finger. And when she fell, she fell hard, but it was a huge story at the time, and it's not that long ago. As I said, thank God she isn't around now because she'd be screwing people. Mm. Interesting stuff. Cool. Who's up next? You have to call on somebody, John. Yeah. Okay. Is everyone up for grabs? I'll go with top left, Declan. <laughs> In top left. <laughs> on my screen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I went for a. Uh, a bit of a left field one given the year that's in it. Like there was, um, I don't know, has anybody ever heard of Tuesdays with Maury? It's a yeah. great book. So it's really about like lessons on life. And for me, probably particularly coming up to Christmas after the mad year we've had, kind of stay away from the, uh, just the management and the personal development side of things. But it's like, it's a great reflection on, on life. And uh, like, I suppose just to get set up the premise of it, um, it's basically Mitch Alburn who wrote it, who is a sports journalist. And one of the days he um, switched on the TV and saw an interview with his old college professor who was actually dying uh, and he had motor neuron disease. Um, so uh, he had already had a, he had a strong bond with him. So he said, geez, I, I need to reconnect with him. And, uh, he he got in touch with him and luckily enough I think he was going through a strike in the uh, in the um, newspaper industry so he had a bit of time to spend with him um, and knowing that he was going to die as well he, he prioritised it um, so effectively the Tuesdays at Mari was every Tuesday um, Mitch visited uh, his old college professor and they basically themed every visit and uh, Mari was able to share his his wisdom, and it's uh, so like a couple of the, the different life lessons. Then I just thought were really, um, I suppose, pressing for for the time we're we're living in. Um, like the first one there, even it was about culture, and he is a, he is a great culture. He just says the culture that we live in um, doesn't make people feel good about themselves. So if you look at every sort of advertising or any sort of celebrity portrayal 
it's all designed to make you not feel good enough about yourself. And his advice there is that, you know, that you, you have to be strong enough to say that if it doesn't work for you, don't buy it and create your own little subculture. And that's where you choose things for yourself. So how you think and what you value. There are things that you're completely in control of. Um, the second thing then is just, I suppose, again, just it's a, it's a commentary on the culture that we live in about envy. And if you look at the sort of the uh, almost the Instagram lifestyle that's out there, it's basically designed to make you feel jealous. Everybody else is living a wonderful life. Why aren't I? Um, and his advice there is to kind of do do things that come from the heart. So not to be so strategic around um, what you're portraying out to the world. Um, so basically, he's just saying, actually, just if you do things from the heart, um, you know, you won't you won't be in this. You won't be longing for somebody else, somebody else's things. And, and then you'd be surprised as to what comes back. Um, and then he just talks about um, living a, a meaningful life. So he, he really talks about purpose because I suppose this is a guy giving reflections on his deathbed. And uh, he's, he's really into the sort of like literally devoting yourself to uh, loving others, loving your community and loving kind of even nature around, around you um, and actually devoting yourself to creating something that gives you a bit of purpose and meaning. Um, in light of that, then he kind of he, he links that um, to kindness. And it's funny, there's a great line in the book that says, uh, Mitch Alburn says that his visits with Mari felt like a cleansing rinse of human kindness. Um, so that's really a case of actually, well, if you reflect on where you are in life, how much kindness do you show on a, on a daily basis? And it's probably easier around Christmas to show that bit of kindness, but you know, what about the other 364 days of the of the year? Um, and then really it's a case of actually, he, he makes a remarkable reflection on actually death itself. And he says, like, learning how to die teaches you how to, how to live. And he just talks about when he got his diagnosis that it just, it, everything started to clear up from what's important, what's not important. And it's, it is a sort of a morose thing to think about and maybe a bit morbid, but actually if you were, if you were given that sentence and he was kind of given whatever, three to six months, um, he just said it makes, it made life so much simpler. So again, there's, there's probably a lot of wisdom in that and to see actually what's, uh, what's important and what's not important. Um, the sixth one there is just all about forgiveness and, uh, it's again great reflections he was just saying that yeah of course you need to forgive other people but first and foremost you need to forgive yourself for the things that you didn't get to do and the things that you should have done and about how you can get really stuck on the regrets of what should have happened or what didn't happen and really talking about like that self-compassion piece that uh, in the end the things that you you didn't do or shouldn't have or shouldn't have done they're not going to really keep you company uh, when, when you're in his position. Um, and the seventh thing there, the, the seventh and eighth thing are kind of linked together. Like he's essentially saying that um, he was about, about like how much love do you have in your life? And, and he's a great definition to say that love is when you're as concerned about someone else's situation as you are about your own. And again, obviously loads of different takes on the definition of love, but that is something that's really so simple and universal. 
and then an extension of that basically was um his kind of almost his closing ref- was that the most important thing in life is to learn how to give out love and how to let it come in and then you know i just thought a really really nice thing to be able to uh reflect on especially coming up to christmas that's going to be a bit different for a lot of us um so that last part to let love come in and to give it out um really really resonated with me so um yeah i just thought given given where we we're at it might be nice to reflect on something a bit different but it's a, an extremely powerful book and it's something i'd absolutely recommend to anybody over the next uh, couple of weeks a bit of downtime it really gives you a sense of per, uh, perspective and, and what's important in that so thanks for the nod john <laughs> Yeah. Has anybody read it? No, I've seen it on. Say again. It in the shop, yeah. Oh, it's a great one. It's really good. I read it years ago. Um, Yeah. But by the signs of it, I need to read it again. It's the kind of thing. So let's say I read it maybe 10 years ago, maybe more. um, But it sounds like if I went to read it again, I would take something completely different from it. You know, that sort of way. Like. Yeah. But it's like. In the last 10 years. Yeah, those books will they'll hit different chords at different times of your exactly, life. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Dust down. Yeah, I'm sure I have it in back in my parents' place, so I'll, I'll try and dig it out over Christmas. Nice, excellent. Right. Um, nominate. I'm going to stick top left, so top left on my screen. So is, is Susan, so <laughs> you're up next. Thanks, Tatlin. Um so I haven't read very many books this, this year, and um, when I heard about the book that I'm going to talk about, I'm going to be say, I'm going to be honest and say I had no interest in the book or the author. But I'm a member of Network Cork, and they had the author speak to us, mm-hmm. and it's Sally Helgensen, Sally Helgensen, and how women rise. And I guess you know I. Personally, I'm just a little bit bored with the whole thinking track around women in the workplace. Um, and I guess, you know, even myself, you know, I had a, a successful career and I didn't feel that I would get much out of this. But actually, I was blown away by it. And I've recommended this book to so many people. I think it is a really good book and it is open to both male and females. And what she does in this book, How Women Rise, is she talks about 12 habits that are holding you back and she does it through case studies she does it in a very simple manner and and she also does it in a way that you that I reflected actually I saw myself do that actually I see that Mm -hmm. every day and um, I just thought it was very it was very good and Towards the end of the book, then, it gives you ideas in how to change for the better. And um, again, it's really simple steps, which I like, you know, break it down, start with one thing. Don't think you're going to take on the world immediately. Just do one small thing every day, as we spoke about with, um, uh, you know, James Clear and the one, and the Atomic Habits, 1%, like just do something small every day. So that is the book that I would recommend, How Women Rise and 12 Habits That Are Holding You Back. 
The second book that I loved, which is a bit of, which is a novel as such, was the Michelle Obama book for anyone who hasn't read it. Again, I was blown away by that. I loved it. I loved the history of her growing up. Um, I've always been fascinated by that history of African-Americans, um, second, third, fourth generation of the slaves. I think it's amazing. And again, I've used this talking to people because um, she speaks a lot about the imposter syndrome and what was going on with her when she was in the White House. Um, and I, th I just found that a really good book to read, um, even if you have no interest in politics. And it's not a very, it's not a political book at all. It's about her life and how she um, made it in her world. And I just, that has really just stayed with me as well. Bought that from my mother last Christmas, so I must go get that offer. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think, I thought it was a fabulous book. I yeah. really enjoyed it. And it's interesting because I shied away from reading How Women Rise for the exact same reason you hesitated reading it. Because I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm so sick of this narrative. Like, you know, we're grand, like, you know, but <laughs> I'll actually probably read it now. If you say it's okay, Susan, I'll, I'll pick it up. Yeah, no, it is, Niamh. And, you know, you recognize things that you think, oh, actually, maybe I did do that or maybe I do do that. And, you know, you just be amazed. And she writes it in a way that is easy to relate to, you know. Um, and again, I think it's open to anyone. It does. It's not just the female. Okay. But I guess maybe more females suffer from those limiting beliefs than males. But that's a, another conversation. So, um, continuing in the squares, Aoife, I think you're next to me on my screen. No worries at all. I'll go next. Um, and similar to Neve, I, so any books that people have been mentioning, and I think I talked about this app before, I use the app BorrowBox. So I've been searching through. John, especially for you, I was furiously typing out all the books that you mentioned. <laughs> so I've added those to my reading list now on on uh, Barabox going into the new year. and I, I hope you um, like sci-fi. <laughs> uh, well, I, I found that, um, well, it wasn't Keith Barry, it was some, what was his oh, name? Oh, um, Kevin Barry. Kevin yeah. Barry. Uh, I found the audio version of that. So I've, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, it's uh, worth listening to because he he tells those stories yeah. really authentically. And uh, uh, the first one is The City of Bohane, which I read a few years ago, where it's based on this city, which I think is geographically... Porto, it's a fi it's a fictional city. It's geographically Porto in in Portugal where he lived, or maybe Lisbon, but it's definitely Cork. I mean, okay. the, the characters and the the stories, it's it's so Cork. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, and Susan, I've added that now. That's on Barbox as well, so I've added that to my list as well. And the Michelle Obama, I think my mom got it as a present a couple of years ago. So again, I'll be like borrowing that. <laughs> Uh, at Christmas time. And um, the book that I decided to talk about is called The 15 Laws of Growth. Has anyone read that book? No. It's by John C. Maxwell. Has anyone heard of John C. Maxwell or read any of his other books? He sounds familiar, all right. What else did he, did he do? He's, my thoughts of leadership, does he? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's big in the leadership space and he writes loads of books. He seems to be very well known. He's one of these, like I think someone compared him to Bob Proctor or, or you know, something similar to that. But this book that I read is the 15 laws of uh, 15 invaluable laws of growth, it's called. And so it, each of the chapters ha- sets out a particular law of growth that he talks about. And on the one hand, it's not groundbreaking. It's not like it's not like he's pulling stuff out of the air that you'd be like, oh, my God, that's so I would never have thought of that. It's all relatable stuff, but it might be stuff that you're not necessarily doing. And the way he explains it, both in the book and then there's videos and things that you can find online of him, like doing seminars and different things like that. I just found it, given that I, I've i done um, I've done a coaching diploma and like... For me, it was still mind-blowing, the kind of stuff and the simplicity that he talked about it with. Um, So I can talk through the the different laws. So the the first law was the law of intentionality. And to me, that was like, wow, why does no one talk about this? So when you talk about personal growth and personal development, you you assume that you're going to grow anyway, or at least for me, I'll download books and I'll kind of, I'll read them. And on the assumption that if I put into practice what they're talking about, then I'm going to develop and grow in some way. But what he's talking about is thinking about it a bit more strategically and like in what areas do I want to grow in and be really intentional about the areas that you want to develop. Um, he, he speaks about the different gaps that might be holding you back. So there's the knowing doing gap, which probably a lot of people are familiar with. So like, you know what it is that you need to do, but for some reason you're not actually doing it. So you know it, but you're not doing it. What? How do you close that gap? There's um, the perfection gap. So you assume that you need to be perfect before you can start. There's the assumption back gap when you make assumptions about things and, and the way they should be. Um so, you know, throughout the book, there's a lot of these just tying everything together in a really nice package, I think. Um, so that was the first law, the, the law of intentionality. That was one of my favorite ones. The law of awareness then is about really knowing yourself, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. The third law is the law of the mirror. And that's about your own self-image and your own self-esteem. Um, the law of reflection then is giving yourself the time to uh, reflect on the experiences that you've been having and to learn and to look back and to ask questions of yourself as you grow as well. Um, Law number five is the law of consistency. And that is an area that I think a lot of people struggle with. So you you might get you might be motivated to start something or to to start something new, but then it's continuing to actually continuing to do it. So forming daily habits, and again, this is where the likes of atomic habits and stuff like that will will come in. Um, he calls it. He says it's not glamorous, but it's the magic sauce. And do you you know what what's the important question to ask? Is do you know what you need to do to improve? Number six, then, is the law of the environment. And that's about having the right environment around you. So whether that's being surrounded by the right people. So, he, you know, he talks about being the sum of the five people that you hang out with, making sure that you're in the right company. Um, Does your environment push you forward or does it pull you back? Does it need to be changed? Do you have people who can hold you accountable? Uh, What really fills your soul? So there's some of the kind of 
points he puts forward. Number seven, then, is the law of design. And again, this was, I kind of picked out three of my favorite laws. Um, the law of design, again, it sort of ties in with the intentionality piece. It's focusing on the big picture and what systems you have in place to help you. So it's designing your life in such a way that it facilitates your personal development and your personal growth and facilitates you achieving what it is that you want to achieve. But it's it's done by design rather than by accident. And number eight, then, is the law of pain. And that's about building resilience and, and growing from negative experiences that you have. Um, and it's getting out of your comfort zone as well. Number nine, then, the law of the ladder. And that's about building good character. So what are the important, what are your values that you need to live by? And what is the character that people, like, what do people ultimately see in you and what makes people look up to you and what does it mean to you to be a person of character so it's kind of building on this idea of character as you grow and and stay true to your values number 10 then is the law of the rubber band um and so that's about creating this this level of stretch but not stretching it too much that it's going to snap back and how how do you stretch enough that you get to the next level, but you don't kind of burn out or you don't kind of snap back? Number 11, then, is uh, my other favorite, and that is the law of trade-offs. And it's knowing what you have to give to grow up. So what do you have to give up in order to grow? And so oftentimes it might be easy because you're presented with two choices and one is maybe it's not really that interesting. Another one is really exciting. So it's really easy to make that decision. But as you grow more and more, the two choices that you have to make are going to become a lot more difficult. And it's being able to trade off in the right way or being able to be happy with the decisions that you're making and kind of stick with them without looking back. Um, he talks about these things, the never again moments. So knowing what your never again moments are, like I'm never, ever again going to let that happen. And again, that's something that you can learn from and you can take going forward. Number 12, the law of curiosity. And that's about keep keep asking why, you know, just live your life with a level of curiosity. Number 13 then is the law of modeling. And that's about finding mentors around you who can help you. So it's um, he has a, a great kind of quote, which is, um, it's hard to improve when you have no one but yourself to follow. So it's about finding people who are better than you at what it is that you want to be good at and following in their footsteps. Number 14, then, is the law of expansion. And I suppose that's, it's kind of like the more you know, the more you know, you don't know. So when you grow, you think that you're going to reach a destination, but it's actually more about the journey and you're going to keep growing and keep growing and keep growing once you're on that journey. And law number 15 then, and that's the final law, is the law of contribution. And that is growing, um, that is giving back essentially. So how are you contributing back to society by um, giving back so you're growing yourself but what are you giving back and ultimately that's the ultimate goal I suppose of of our own personal growth journeys is so that we're able to serve other people so that's that's it in, in a nutshell um but for me like I said I I've trained as a coach I've I've been on a personal development journey for probably 
seven or eight years now at this stage. But still, that book was just, whether it was so simplistic, like I just found it mind-blowing the way he explains everything. I just thought it was really, really great. Uh, and I'm definitely going to read some of his other books as well on leadership and things like that as well. What was the name of that one again? It's it's called The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. Awesome. I read, um, he wrote a book in 2004, Today Matters. And that's a really good one to read as well. I'll add that to my list. Yeah, if you're going to read one of his books, um, I've read that so many times. It's, I've probably read it four or five times. It's really good. That's cool. That's really interesting. Which So you mentioned a few favorites there. Yeah. Principles. So my favorite, the law of intentionality. So that was like, you know, being really clear about why is it, you know, what, in what way are you going to, the law of design. So that's designing systems and having things set up in place to facilitate that growth. And then the law of trade-offs, which become more difficult. So when you're, if I think about my, the trade-offs I've had in my life, and I think, so I, I left a job in Dublin to move to London. To me, that was a no-brainer. And I left a job in London to move, to travel and to live in Australia. And again, to me, that was a no-brainer. But to other people, that might be a really difficult decision to make. But also, as time goes on and as you grow more and more, your your decisions that you have to make, the trade-offs that you have to make in your life are going to become more and more difficult. So it's understanding getting clearer and clearer about what's important to you so you can make those trade-offs effectively. (laughs) Brilliant. Thank you. Mm. Oh, sorry, I need to name. So Rob Mm -hmm. is uh, next. So on my screen, it's Declan, then it's me, and then it's Rob. So Rob, if you want to go, if you're sharing one tonight. Cool. Yeah, happy to do so. Um, Just a couple of things before I share mine, and I will be quick. I was just thinking about kind of the standout takeaways from the 13 or so episodes so far and there's been been lots but two that i kind of used since regularly is the one i think um neve you had mentioned around that we're all in that learning environment i remember you talking about that um and that really resonates when i use that in, in with clients and talk about that a lot that it kind of gives people permission not to be perfect or to get everything right and that that's always stuck yeah. with me um and sarah the one you talked about the last night the the six sentences um or in the the pixar stories um again using that to try and tell stories when i'm writing stuff certainly for for work to try and get the story or message across in six simple sentences is a really great way of tightening everything up and if you give it to somebody and they can get an essence of it it really makes it so much so much easier to um obviously harder to write but but you really focus on those so those two things just stood out for me um there was lots obviously but just as i was reflecting tonight they were they were the two um so so just that i'd share that um the book that i'm gonna very briefly talk about is the infinite game from cynic simon cynic has anyone read that no, nobody has read it. Okay, that's read that's other stuff, but not that one. Yeah, the they start with why and um, the other one leaders. I think eat last or something. I think that was it. Well, this one is eat last. I think is on my list, and I, I've read, I've read start with why, and I've read find your why, which is like a follow on book that wasn't directly written by him. It was yeah. written by these two other guys, but it facilitates you finding your why essentially. Mm-hmm. But the in 
Infinite game is um I'll add that I'll, I'll search for it on Barbox and see do, if do. I can find it. No, it's um it's only out about a year and I read it at the start of the year and I'd say since <clears throat> since about April or May I've I've read an awful lot less than I normally would. So this one kind of um was the one that I was thinking about that that was worth sharing. But I'm, I'm surprised in a good way that you haven't read it, so I definitely recommend it. Um and ultimately he talks about the infinite game versus the finite game and within the he defines them differently so with with business through the lens of business and through the lens of life in a finite game um businesses that are focused on winning improving through the survival of the fittest um winners exclude losers winner takes all that mindset aims are identical keeping things simple um short-term decisive contests so it's all um dog eat dog basically the the only goal with the finite game is to to generate profit and and to to, to be successful um whereas with the infinite game the purpose is obviously with an infinite game it, it never ends but it, the purpose is to improve the game winners teach losers how to play better um the aims are diverse the the winnings are shared across all um the rules are changed and can change by agreement. You can grow new markets and there's long-term enduring processes. So it's, uh, you know, as you would imagine, it, it's all about trying to try to trying to improve. Um, and in the win in the infinite game, you're either ahead or behind. It's not like you've won or you've lost. Um, so th- that mindset comes across. And he has five keys to infinite games. One is around just cause, and within just cause, it's. Uh, he does talk about the difference between just just cause and your why statement, but a just cause must be something affirm, affirmative and optimistic. So again, thinking about like a vision statement, um, but but more around a just cause. He talks about the Declaration of Independence in the U.S. as a just cause that it's a never-ending thing, um, but it's affirmative, a positive, it's inclusive, so that it's open to everybody who would like to contribute. Um, it's service-oriented, so you're. You're there for the benefit of others. It's resilient, so it has the ability to endure and and to survive through disruption, um, no matter what is thrown at it. And it's idealistic, so it's it's big, it's bold. It's not just the moonshot goal that he does go into details around moonshot goals and say that they don't tend to work. Um, it's ultimately unachievable, effectively, right? So that you're never going to get there but it's pushing you in that direction constantly and you can tweak it and adjust it um so that was the just cause part there's trusting teams is another element or another key to infinite games uh this concept he calls a a existential flexibility or your existential flex um are you willing to blow up your structure for your just cause so looking at organizations that are doing well but are willing to to pivot and change just to kind of keep going and keep reinventing themselves um, tend to be playing the infinite game as opposed to winners and losers. And, and some really good examples in there um, of, of companies that have played the finite game and have completely lost and others that have ins- instilled CEOs that had a more infinite game mindset and, and, and tweaked and, and changed things. <clears throat> and the last piece, uh, this concept of a worthy rival, and this one I'll just talk a little bit about, is when you're whether you're an organization he compares apple and and microsoft and apple play the infinite game because they're 
their pure goal is to create really cool things whereas microsoft back in the balmer days anyway was to um to destroy apple basically their goal was to get rid of apple whereas apple wanted to create brilliant products that can you know advance human progress and and, and focus on um improvement there so lots of really good examples but the wordy rival cynic talks about um you know Adam Grant, the author Adam Grant, winners, um, give and take, um, and and a couple of others. Cynic says when he was kind of coming up and rising up with start with why made him famous, and he would always see Adam Grant, who was around the same age if not younger, with some of his stuff out, and he would have been like completely in awe of him, and and like just felt that this guy is way better than me, and like imposter syndrome maybe around him, um, and then one day. <clears throat> a few years ago both of them were on the same bill to talk so he approached them beforehand and you know he said like look I'm, I'm, i've learned so much from you I've, I've huge admiration for you and he then he said back to him like he was completely in awe of him so they were in awe of each other right um it's a bit like uh zoolander if you can remember that reference but um so in in a way though having that worthy rival right having somebody that you were in awe of but that pushed you on was is hugely important in the infinite game so if you have a rival company or a rival in sport whatever that uh, they talk about federer and nadal right they're brilliant uh, worthy rivals to push each other on um to make you better rather than to to they're not trying to eliminate you from the game so um so lots of really good stuff in that uh, i would recommend it and that was pretty much pretty much it for me. Did I have was, anything else? Yeah. I'm sure he posted something on LinkedIn not like very recently about um Adam Grant saying that, and this is my worthy rival. I don't know, did they do a podcast together or something? But I feel like they've done something where it's like, and this is of course my very worthy rival, you know. And I was like, Oh, that's that's a really nice approach. Mm. But uh, I've added that to my list now on Barbox as well. Very it's cool. actually great timing, Rob, because I've just finished literally last night. Finished reading Start with Why because I thought it was a really good. It's a really good grounding book, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I can just carry on now and read that one. Yeah, and <laughs> and I'm not a hundred percent like I think what he's wrote in the books are very good and that they get you thinking. I, I'm not. I'm on the fence about Simon a little bit. He can. Yeah. You know. I, He's very polished. He actually spoke at the Gardner Symposiums there in the last couple of months, and I talked to the lady that interviewed him for, for it. Um, and I better not say too much more in case any of them actually listen to this. But yeah, <laughs> uh, no, he's a great guy, and uh, he's welcome on to talk about his book anytime to the book club. You, you can edit that bit out, <laughs> of course, of course. I don't bother. Yeah, Rob, you're in charge things. of the podcast. So. <laughs> no, editing it takes too much time these days. Um, so, so no, yeah, definitely check it out. It is a really good read, uh, easy to read as well, and lots of great examples in there. So, all right, now I see. Neither of you are in top left or right, but um, I'll just look t- directly below me is Neve. So Neve, you can go next. Okay, um, great. So as I mentioned, anyway, I'm read. I kind of tend to read three books on the go. Um, righty. Uh, so start with why um, the twelve week year by Brian Moore, and, and I might use that one for a book club in 2021. Um, but the one I'm picking tonight is Made to Stick. Have you read Made to Stick? 
Um, so this is all about why some ideas take hold and others come unstuck. And I suppose, obviously, in my line of work, I'm always trying to get people to think differently about time and energy and effort. So the power of kind of getting that idea to stick is absolutely important. And I just thought it was relevant in every line of work, actually. Um, so with everything going on in my daily life, I didn't have a chance to make notes, but luckily I had earmarked the pages I loved. So isn't that handy? Um, so there was two or three things that really stood out in this book. The first is the exercise of the tappers and listeners. Have you ever heard of this experiment? It's blew my mind, right? Mm. So in 1990, um, a lady called Elizabeth Newton earned a PhD in psychology at Stanford by studying Simple Game. Okay, She assigned people to one of two roles. Tappers are listeners. Tappers received a list of 25 well-known songs like Happy Birthday and the Star Spangled Banner, right? And they were asked to pick one of the songs and tap out the rhythm to a listener by knocking on a table, right? So, okay. And the listener's job was to guess the song based on the rhythm being right? So, the listener's job obviously is quite difficult and over the experiment, 120 songs were tapped and listeners guessed 2.5% of the songs, 3 out of 120. But this is the reason I'm telling you about this, right? Because before the listeners guessed the name of the song, Newton asked tappers to predict the odds that the listeners would guess correctly. They predicted that the odds were 50%. So the tappers got their message across one time in 40 but they thought they were getting their message across one time in two. And the difference is curse of knowledge. Because when you're tapping, da, 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 you're singing the song in your head and you forget that the other person can't hear it. And I thought that was brilliant for any of us who are trying to inform people, teach them new ideas, teach them new things. I'm like, they don't know what's in your head. They don't know. So the curse of knowledge is the biggest thing. The second thing I had earmarked on this because, you know, I'm a planning addict and organisation and all of this, and I'm always trying to get people to prioritise things with balance. So they talk about the, I'm going to the army, yeah, thank God, right. So it's the US Army, and, you know, they always say, like, a plan is brilliant until you kind of go into the field, right, because all of unexpected things happen. So planning used to be done meticulously from the top down, you know, plan by subplan by subplan by task by checklist down to the detail but of course it all fell apart so they switched it up so the combat maneuvering training center which was a unit in charge of military simulations recommended that officers arrived at something called the commander's intent and this is a brilliant i view oh sarah's nodding do you know this one there so there's two questions if we do nothing else during tomorrow's mission we must finish the sentence and the single most important thing we must do tomorrow is you finish the sentence and I just thought that's brilliant because no matter what's going on in your life and no matter what situation home work wherever that you need to focus and really just get yourself reset those two questions just bring it all together don't they mm -hmm. so again if we do nothing else during tomorrow's mission or tomorrow's work or tomorrow's trip to the shops we must, and the single most important thing we must do tomorrow is. 
So I'll just finish by, um, they did a great little thing at the back of this book, by the way. They have an easy reference guide. Brilliant, right? So they do a summary of each chapter and like little snippets of what they covered to help trigger your memory, which is really clever. So they use um, an acronym called SUCCESS. So the six principles to make an idea stick is simple, unexpected, concrete, credible, emotional, and new stories. So simple, find the core, that's your commander's intent. Unexpected, get the attention, so surprise. Um, I do that one, by the way, when I do talks by getting people to sing, row, row your boat at the start of a talk. It works every time. Um, yeah, tell you about that another day. Um, concrete, I'm like in a book and as a result of uh, Rob pub, uh, publishing this now, see. Right. Concrete, help people understand and remember, so that's about fables, you know, like, like do you always remember the old fables, why? Because they're so concrete, they stick there in your head. Make sure that they're credible. Um, make sure they're emotional. So the Mother Teresa principle, if I look at the one I will act, if I look at the money, I'll do nothing. So it's all about if I look at one person, if I look to change one person. Stories. And um, the thing with the stories, actually, as well, just for, I suppose, a lot of us here, um, we would, I suppose, when we're talking to the people, we've done an awful lot of research, you know, we've done our homework, we make sure that we're very, very well prepared, you know, to deliver a talk or president to the meeting, whatever it is. And they have done studies where they ask presenters to speak to, I think it's mainly in college, and the, the students rank the presenters on, you know, who's the top 10 in terms of the the delivery of the presentation, uh, you know, tone of voice, presentation skills, all that kind of stuff. And let's say my uh, Declan and John uh, were number one and two, right? Um, and then they distract them for a couple of minutes, like about 10 minutes, whatever. And they ask them to come back and write down what they remembered. And no matter what Declan and John said, right, if Aoife and Sarah used stories, they'll remember the stories that were told as opposed to the data and the facts and the stats and the the research by who, who they don't remember any of that. They always remember the story. And I just think it's so easy for people as we learn more and more to try and give them all of the detail. But our job is to, of course, take all of that and present it in a really simple story um, and then help it stick. So that's my book. I thought it was freaking brilliant um, and I highly recommend it. What's the name again? Neve just popped hold It's called... Made to stick, Made to stick yeah. by um, Chip and Dan Heath. Oh, it's the Heath brothers, yeah. That's yeah. that's on that was actually on my list already. On that, but what was the book you mentioned just before that? Uh, you said you'd talk about it at a book club next oh, year. Oh, the twelve week year. But I'll summarize that for you next year, there, Aoife, because I read those things for breakfast. <laughs> it'll save me. Uh, It'll save me one week of reading. Is that yeah, that's my bedtime. We're doing like, ooh, bit of, bit, of, bit, of, bit of planning. I'll read that now for a bit. So I'll do that one for you and you can read it <laughs> and then take it off you instead. Neve, in that one, I think that's the one. I remember um, listening to a podcast where one of the Heat Brothers was talking about movie titles and it was the Speed, talking about the movie Speed yes. and think of, I think I said this in one of the early episodes. I remember Die Hard on a Train or something like it, that. It was yeah. like, think of, um, uh, alien on a bus or uh, uh, die hard on a bus or something like that yeah, was die the hard on a bus. and and it's yeah. really visual you can connect your your memories to it and and it'll stick as a result so yeah it's cool yeah so really good book so highly recommend to all of you um and the commander's intent i just thought was 
brilliant um, since I started using it as well. So I think last but not least, is this Sarah? Is and I'm thrilled that I'm last because I said I'm down with family now um, for Christmas and I said I don't have five minutes to fill for this. I would love 10 seconds because I am reading a book and it really is just one theme and it's one sentence and it's been it's transfixed me. So it's called Who Not How by Dan Sullivan, who's the strategic coach and Dr. Benjamin Harvey. Hardy, sorry. And it's very, very simple. It's around when we're trying to achieve goals, we spend so much time figuring out how we need to achieve our goals. And usually with the goals that are maybe stretch goals, they're beyond our own present level of capabilities. And as a result, we should be asking ourselves, who can help me achieve these goals? And that's the question. Who, not how. Who can help me achieve these goals? Because when we ask who and we get that guidance and advice from others, we're tapping into their capabilities and their abilities that might be beyond ourselves. Because if we could achieve our goals, we probably would have achieved a lot of them already. So it's about asking ourselves who versus how. And I've never once sat down Um, when I'm thinking about goals, which I tend to do every quarter, but certainly at the end of the year, I've never once went, who can help me or who can I talk to about this or who could I get advice from on these goals? I've never went that route. I've always went the how. And I just thought it was such a simple concept and yet really powerful. Love that. Yeah. I'm a big who person, so I'm going to pick up that book. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really, really good. He also then just adds in on um, just about how people overcome research around people who overcome addiction. They don't overcome addiction because of willpower. Um, they overcome addiction because of connection with others. It's relationship and all the behavior change um, research is indicating it's around environment, but it's the people within your environment that support you change. It's your connections, it's your relationships that ultimately support you. It sets a higher standard. It's, you know, it inspires you, et cetera, et cetera. So again, asking ourselves, who are the key people that will help us? Who can we tap into? Who can we get this support from? Um, it's just a totally different angle that I, that I'd never heard of. So. It reminds me of uh, right now, you know, Biden is, picking his cabinet choices and his mm. agency heads and the team that keeps coming back is uh is it the, the personnel are the policy and what he's saying is you know the people he chooses show you what he wants to achieve uh, you know like picking he picked a the first uh native american woman to be a cabinet minister for the interior and uh Pete yeah. Buttigieg for transport and so it's kind of very similar it's like the people will tell you what I mean. The choices I make are around what they'll do and who they are. Bit of a shift from uh, Donny. Yeah. <laughs> Change of pace, anyway. It's always that saying, was it never uh, surround yourself for? Never be the smartest person in the room or surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. Um, yeah. Well, Sarah, I love that actually because I use that. I use who a lot actually. I use um, Kipling, Six Fan of Seven Men, who, what, when, where, why, and how. And you start with the who all the time in your goals. But uh, it's great to know there's a book out there now that I can get my teeth into. So you're on my list after that. Thank you. I've just bought five books. So you guys, you guys, everyone who recommended a book, I've just bought one. So. I know. <laughs> I, she's like this. 
I was on Amazon on the side. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Rob, I'm I'm going to hopefully you stop recording that in a second, but I'm actually um using my excuse that I'm heavily pregnant, well not heavily pregnant, mid pregnant, and a bit distracted this evening, so I haven't been taking notes, and I hope that you will use that as a good reason to share maybe the book list with the podcast in the notes, maybe. Oh yeah, and absolutely. Can, yeah. Send it on. Eva has the list. Eva, how long is your list now? <laughs> Oh yeah, Aoife, you could just send me the list. Yeah, you just send me your screenshot, your book, your your, your borrow box, and I'll just copy and paste the whole lot. Yeah, send send it on definitely. Yeah. I think, I we, think de- we should have a session on how to build more reading into our week meal. Maybe you can help us with that. I read before bed every night, without fail, even if it's how just long? a chapter. Half I read for about forty-five minutes. And I've read already 57 books this year. So I'll be heading towards 60, I'd say. Jesus. By the end. I leave books all over the house so that I pick them up as I go around. So I leave them easily accessible places. And then I switch out audio books in the car. And I hate yeah. TV. I never watch So I TV. listen, I listen, you know, whenever we took public transport in the past, I would listen on public transport. Uh, I listen when I go out for walks. I don't tend to listen to music anymore. I walk and I would listen to audiobooks and podcasts instead. Um, and I did, like, I don't go this extreme, but I've heard stories of who, I want to say someone like um, Bill Gates or something like gets his Kindle out when he's waiting in line anytime. You well, know, I do that, but I don't use a Kindle. Market, you can have, you can be listening to an audiobook or anything. Yeah, use it on your phone. So I have the Kindle app on my phone, Susan. So when I'm out, you know, if you're queuing anywhere and boots or anything like that, instead of going on to Instagram, open your Kindle app and read a few lines of your book. That's what I do. It's brilliant. Mm. You fly through the stuff then, like, with the queues these days, might as well do something. <laughs> Audiobooks, yeah, definitely in the car. Or walking, yeah. Mm. And I always or you have can just book, not compete like... with other people, Susan, and be happy with the fact that you read a couple of books this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, to Declan's point earlier about the whole envy and the comparable, you know, situation, you know, we're all in different places. Read your books and be happy, you know. <laughs> do whatever love. I've got this yeah. uh, OCD uh, OCD problem. I can't listen to an audiobook unless I have the physical book mm-hmm. in my possession. So I will, I will actually read the book and then <laughs> put on the audiobook, walk out and and read, listen to that chapter, and then come back and pick up the book where I left off. And someone did a study about that you don't remember uh, where, which which parts you read and which parts you heard. You know, it's the brain can take them both in and wow. and, and compare them. So. I'm I've, seen, the, I've seen other things like their apps that yeah, like, yeah. fire words at you and you can like it goes so fast but you can pro- your brain can process yeah, it yeah. but you just see one word at a time now i haven't gone that extreme yet um but i saw in my or my christmas edition of the rte guide that the martian is on this evening okay. so i don't know if anyone has read that book it's I, an I have, excellent yeah. book really yeah. really Good fantastic movie, book Mm. Yeah, that was a holiday. That was a poolside read a couple of years ago. Likewise, mm-hmm. that was a poolside read a few years ago. Nostalgic now, John, for the poolside reading. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what's Soon this poolside thing. you're talking about? <laughs> One thing I remember, and I keep bringing this up to people. I read. Has anyone read The Road by Cormac McCarthy? It's uh, yeah. it's the grimmest, yes. darkest, oh, oh, most depressing book. And I read it by the pool, and I said to my wife, I said, 
if I read this book anywhere else except in in glorious sunshine, I would be suicidal. It was the only place you could read that book and not kill yourself. <laughs> that's not on the list either, right? No. In the middle of winter and COVID, right? It's not. No, on no, the list. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah. Yeah. I suppose just even even to wrap it up, Rob. This has kind of germinated from a mad idea one afternoon in the middle of lockdown in April. Like, but it's been it's been a magic year. Um. My book reading hasn't been. Uh, at its highest rate at all, but I feel I feel I've actually learned so much actually from all of you this mm-hmm. year. So it, like it's it's magic, and we'll definitely keep it going. And uh, even a lot of the stuff that we've talked about over the last thirteen episodes, there's been a lot of stuff about connection comes up. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be able to kind of find your tribe a bit and you know share things that we're all interested in. I always come away with every every book club, but just one little nugget. And try to apply it for the next two weeks and it's for me anyway it's been it's been uplifting to find uh to find my tribe effectively so thank you to everybody i think it's been it's been great mm. yeah well Declan, on that note after my first book club i ran in next door to see oh my god i found people like me it's, it's great as well I think once with the rotational system of it that I think in the 13 I've only had to do one not that I don't that doesn't matter but like you can come and just relax and listen and and learn you know and uh, I don't know if the authors of the books are too happy about it because you know they're probably getting mo- lots of extra purchases but uh, putting out free summaries of their book might might be a, a negative but uh, haven't heard anything so far on that but no it's great and I think we have a good cohort to go forward um and yeah, whoever wants to to start off January in two weeks' time with a with a book, feel free to uh, to let me know and invite your friends. Ex- expand the uh, the club for twenty twenty one would be great. Regarding the summaries, I would see that as free promotion of their book. Yeah, because we always go out with them. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually haven't bought any of them <laughs> since. Maybe that's just me a free skill free loading on everybody else. Edit but, uh, that, Rob. Huh? I'm I'm borrowing from <laughs> Borrowbox, but I'm I'm reading another book or I read another book. I think I was a book that I read that mentioned about even if you are um borrowing books from the library, or I can't remember where I read this, but basically it said even if you're borrowing books from the library, do you know what it might have been on Facebook and and the Amazon thing, even if you're borrowing books in the library, that keeps people who work in the library in business mm. and in a job. Whereas if you support the likes of Amazon, then you're supporting poor working conditions and all of that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I thought that's an interesting take on it. So if you're, yeah. even if you're borrowing, even if you're not paying for the books that you're actually keeping people in jobs by borrowing from the library. And if Aoife, we, when I'm too lazy and I order online on my Kindle, my sister works on Amazon, I say, at least I'm keeping my sister now going in her, her <laughs> So we can justify it whatever way we do it. I know, I know, yeah, yeah. <gasps> I love it. it. Like and people and and kind of borrow that and put it onto my Kindle, and it's like, no, Kindle no. is Amazon. Like I have a Kindle as well. So if I do get an uh, an ebook, it has to be it has to be a Kindle, you know. So Kindle snobs, yeah, I know I'm the same. But uh no, the library, um the borrow box is brilliant. Yeah, borrow box is brilliant. Absolutely. Most of those books that you mentioned this evening were on Barbox. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. I, I've bought a f- I've re- I've taken a few off that, and then when I like them, I buy them to keep. You know that. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, Rob Vibes and Scribes. I think you you would be the um, secondhand bookshop and Vibes and the old secondhand bookshop. Yeah, yeah, I've I've like. Tore that apart numerous times. You have, there's nothing left. There's nothing really any good in there at the moment, but uh, yeah, it's always good to pop in there, so well worth checking it out. I really miss the. uh, That's the only thing I I usually go in there after, and there's nothing left to take on the good ones. (laughs) I really miss the Oxfam bookshop down in uh, Paul Street. There used to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. For a few years, they had a a book, a shop. No, they have a shop in Cook Street that's, you know, clothes and all sorts of things, but they had a dedicated bookshop up in Paul Street and it's gone now but it was a, it was a real treasure trove mm. I, I can't keep my my laptop batteries are 1% so right. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap it up we'll wrap it up yeah. Deck. thanks thanks again for hosting and uh, great to see everybody look after yourselves over the next couple of weeks guys and we'll see you all in two weeks on the other side be good thanks, thanks everyone bye send me over the list of uh, the books if you wrote them down yeah <laughs> okay, okay cool, grand. <laughs> bye 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 hey folks thanks so much for listening to the show if you enjoyed it could you please consider helping me extend the reach of the podcast that a little bit further you can do that in a number of ways the number one way is to subscribe on your app of choice this helps me with the chart ranking leading to more folks stumbling across the podcast and checking it out you could also repost it on your social media channels any of them would be great and maybe even tell a friend in person or over the phone pick up the phone give them a call and tell them about the one percent better podcast tell them about this episode or one that you've heard in the past and he will do i would really appreciate it in the last year we set up a one percent better slack community which you can join for free and interact with me and other members of the community and improve through holding each other accountable and sharing monthly challenges it's a lot of fun check it out i'm into season four of this incredible journey and the more of these interviews and solo shows that i research record and share the better i believe that they get and more loaded with actionable takeaways that you can learn from. I know I've learned so much from it so far, and it's always really, really fulfilling and rewarding when I hear from you on what you took from it. So do reach out, rob at robofthegreen.ie. And of everybody that listens, 90% listen and enjoy, but only around 10% actually take action, write down takeaways and put them into practice. I am convinced that if we can move that number a bit higher, the listeners will not only make steps forward towards their goals, but they will be more fulfilled and happy and better. Change doesn't happen overnight. It is hard, but it's all about taking the first step, whatever that is for you. You can absolutely do this. Make a plan, be deliberate, take action. Don't overreach. Start with those small incremental improvements and over time you will see great progress. It's all in the pursuit of betterness. So again, thank you so much for listening. Good luck and stay safe.